Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining me. And the theme tonight is the stocks that look good for 2023. We kick off with June Bailu of Tribeca Investment Partners. And um, she actually featured on a, an unusual company when she presented at the Sons Hearts and Minds Conference in Hobart only a couple of weeks ago, which uh, attracted a lot of newspaper attention. She went for a company called China Tourism Group Duty Free Corporation. Uh, she also likes a number of other companies like Domino and uh, Tyro, and she also looks at lithium mining. But that China Tourism Group Duty Free Corporation is an interesting story, and she uh, fills you in on how you can invest in it. Then Michael Wayne of Medallion Financial looks at the company he likes. In particular, I get him to focus on Ordinate, which has done very well despite the fact that tech stocks have been sold off, and Megaport, which has been up and down but tends to be liked by the, the experts. So it might take a year or so for it to come good, but the uh, analysts really like it. He also is very interested in zero. Um, so is uh, June Bay Lu. And also Paul Ricard looks at the three stocks he really likes, uh, CSL, Macquarie and Zero, and a special high-tech one, but you're going to have to read the Switch report to get that one as well. That's the show. Let's kick off now with June Bay Lu of Tribeca. Thanks for joining us, Jim Bay. Thank you for having me. Now, um, we should talk about your big story at the Son Hearts <laughs> and Minds Conference. And you came up with a company you never ever talk about here, but can Australians easily invest in that company? Look, absolutely. It is a company, it's called the Tell China, us about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. called China Tourism, Tourism Duty Free. Yeah. Essentially represents the entire duty free sector in yeah. China. It's 90% market share. It's listed in Hong Kong yeah. um, and it is, um, you know, it's incredible business. It's um, essentially the, you know, has been growing with the China um, duty free market. And in the last many years, you know how, how many Chinese travelers are there, um, yeah. you know, in the next couple of years that they will reach 7.5 billion oh sorry 7.5 billion trips they make yeah. whether within China and they're locked down China. now but you're you're are you thinking once lockdown eventually is over be like a tsunami of Chinese travelers. Not only that, um, so even in within the current lockdown, this company still made a billion dollars. Yeah. How did they make that? They actually, they are the largest duty free company in the world. So they actually get really good deals out of airports, really good deals out of all these um, brand owners and things, and they mm. sold online. They yeah. get all these special deals sold so online. So rather than having to fly somewhere, they, they've actually- People are buying it online okay. because of the lockdown. Yeah. Now once that- Before opens, then they didn't do it? Bef before they didn't do it, okay. now they could do it. So business, Going forward, so once they open, they will still have the online channel. And also, there's another policy change. In China, most of the company had the regulatory things going against them. Yeah. But this one actually been going for them in the last few years. So China, Chinese people spend 40% of global GDP spend yeah, in the normal year. Now, but the thing is, they spend most of that in Korea, Hong Kong and a few other places. Well, Why is that? Those. They can't buy it in China because in China it's still very expensive and there's a cap. Every person can only spend 5,000 US dollars. That's way too low, right? To buy those mm. blinks, right? Mm. So uh, what China has done in the last few years, they said, look, you know, we're going to repatriate, bring those dollars back because all these Chinese tourists are going overseas to buy them because yeah. it's 40% discount when you buy overseas. Yeah. China, too many taxes. So they said they create this little island which is known as Hawaii of China, as the Hawaii, Hawaii of China, yeah. full of people, of course, yeah. on the beach. 
mm -hmm. uh, easy to get to for Chinese people, um, and there's no visa required. And they made that zone special duty-free zone. Mm -hmm. So things, luxury goods in that area, in that city, is um, almost 40% cheaper. Same price as people travel to Korea. Mm -hmm. So in the last two years, um, duty-free spend in that zone used to be, so in 2020, it was $1.8 billion, US dollars. Now, to, this year, it's uh, it's 8.5 billion US dollars. That's a big increase. And this is a tiny city. And in uh, in another five years, it's going to get to 40 billion dollars. Mm. This company has 90% market share. Mm. So not only globally duty-free spending, they're actually capturing but where Chinese. Could Xi Jinping get in the way and and hurt this business? So this business is actually part of it's it's a partly state-owned business. Okay. So it represents it's essentially so it's a Chinese like duty-free company. No, <laughs> uh, it's a Chinese duty-free company. So it is its purpose is really trying to bring the tourism dollar back into um, you know spending mm. within China. Yeah. And this company has three billion dollars US dollars on the balance sheet. And I guess it's not a, a totally new model because mm. the Japanese tourism often would do that, wouldn't they? They would. Mm. They would fly Japanese airlines, they'd be on JTB buses, and mm. they'd go to uh, a duty-free place that ran with Japanese businesses. So it's, it's not something that's totally new. Uh, look, they just copied what's been happening, but yeah. just bigger scale. And now they've got $3 bigger billion. Dollars. They're going to Europe. They're opening up more shops globally now, following wherever the Chinese tourist is going to go. Yep. And they're going to buy luxury brands. All right. What is the share price up by? Because we, we, Have we missed the boat, or, or is this going to oh, be no. a fast boat to China? Oh, no, not at all. So yeah. it's going to be a fast boat. But <laughs> So right now, China still has yet to reopen the reopening economy. A business like that, Chinese tourism companies has really been in that sort of star-stop stage, haven't really moved. Uh, so ticker code 1880 um, has yet to eight, move. Eight, zero. Zero. 1880. 1880. It's Why? Good Why? luck. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, yeah, it's a lucky, it's a lucky number. It's not, not a significant historical date in Chinese history? Uh, Probably not really. Not. Uh, maybe. But eights, eights are eights. good numbers for Chinese people. Eight is a very, it means lucky, it means actually get rich. <laughs> Chinese are very big on the on the money monetary side. Have I've never noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> uh, okay, that was an interesting company. Mm. Locally, are you seeing any value at the moment? Locally, I've actually seen a lot of value in the local businesses. Um, mm -hmm. Particularly, look, we talk about the growth and growth. There's just a lot of them being left behind. A couple of them started to work, you know, things like Domino. Remember, mm -hmm. we talked about Domino. You, don't, you, you talked about Domino about two or three, well, maybe a, a couple of months ago. Yeah. yeah, and then remember, we said there's one more downgrade that came, yeah. and then the downgrade came, share price went down, but it rallied really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you don't buy Domino for next week's earning. You buy it for, you know, five years, and mm -hmm. things are going pretty well for them. But, but what makes you think that people are going to eat more pizzas. It's not about eating more pizza. It's just um, uh, within existing territory, it is at, as it is what it is. Mm. But what Domino has done is that globally they're rolling out more territories as well. So in Australia, it's pretty mature. You know, yeah. we yeah. just eat this many pizzas. That's about it. Uh, in Europe, they're just ramping up the pace. Yes, economic slowdown maybe will slow it somewhat, but it's about opening more stores. They just reach scale. So mm. you really the margin expansion is from there on. And now they got Taiwan, which is brand new, and oh. Japan is doing okay. So you know, it's the global expansion yeah. that is going to drive the. Is the CEO still the same? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Don May? Yeah. Okay. I like him. So he's, he's done well. Yeah. He's good to see you. Mm. All right, so that's Domino's. What else do you like? I think at this point, um, you know, just we're just looking through. Oh, a lot of them have had a good rally, mm. um, but we started looking at back at some of the old favorite like CSL. You know, still mm. looks pretty good. It's almost three hundred dollars, mm. but it's still relative to some of the other things. Still look pretty yeah, good. You give me a, a one-year profile on CSL. I, I, It'll be I, higher. 
I wouldn't be surprised you get the 330, 340 oh, easily. Absolutely. And it's defensive. Even if we have an economic slowdown, even you know we have US recession or global mm. recession, it's not going to slow down. Yeah. It will grow double digit for the next three years. And it's um, regardless of what happens to economic condition. Mm. Um, so this company is very, very defensive. Um, and a few other companies, look, you know, we talked to previously, uh, talked to things like Zero, have yet to move, yeah. um, had their result recently. Um, and um, I think investors just a little bit worried about our economic slowdown and things. This company just put through put through some massive price increases, mm. um, and then they've and done lost it. their customers. Yeah, although no, the customers are still mm. there, right? So um, things are still going pretty well. So um, and then this is a you know penetration story, like it's a market expansion, and then the UK is still going very well. Mm. So mm. what about Taro? Taro's um, chairman resigned last week. I know. Yeah. I think Tyro is at the very end of you know being taken out by corporate players, mm. isn't it? Um, I think share price actually performed quite well mm. um, for shareholders. Um, if you bought low, it's, you bought, it's rebounded nicely. Right. It's it? just a bit incredible. Mm. Um, I think look, eventually this company won't be listed for very mm. long. Uh, yeah. It will get taken out. It just mm. works better as part of a bigger mm. group. We always talk to you know the, the the market condition for those companies mm. change. Same as by that pay later. You need a big group to support you because the technology is good, um, market um, positioning is good, but yeah. Any capital to yeah. grow, to expand. Yeah. Mm. <coughs> what about EML? It's been a, a really interesting mm. company. Mm. Uh, new CEO mm. um, had problems with the Bank of Ireland. Mm. Um, have you have you run your eye over EML? Yeah, we looked at it over the last little while, but with the regulatory risk, yeah. I think it's just making it a bit too hard basket. Yeah. It's like there are too many problems. I think so. Mm. If, if it was just one territory, it's okay. Now you got U, UK inquiry, that will mm. just drag on for a long time. Hard for people to dip their toe in. Mm. It's very, very cheap. Uh, and I know it's got a lot of cash on the balance sheet mm. and that balance, uh, that gets high interest <coughs> rate spread. So like a banker, they make more money when the interest rate goes higher. Yeah. Um, but the challenge is just short term business model. Um, it's very hard for even corporate player or investors to get a comfort of. Okay, well, what about a company like JB Hi-Fi? We know consumer discretionary might have a, Mm. a tough time this year but mm. Is it in the buy zone for somebody who wants to hold it for two or three years? Yeah, look, if you buy JB today, you can hold, um, and then the share price probably won't lose its value. Mm. Um, I just had some feedback that um, the Black Friday that just gone, um, JB's uh, category is a little bit weaker, um, and uh, but you know clearly that could be a good sign for the economy yeah, in that's terms right. of you know, getting inflation right. to come in. Exactly, out. exactly. Yeah. So um, and uh, but look, you know, I just uh, for those retailers, it's not expensive. It's on twelve times. Mm. Um, if you hold it through the cycle, then. Mm. Next few years, it will be um, you know share price will uh, will be pretty defensive. You get a good dividend, uh, but okay. just meantime, the next twelve month earnings will probably come down. Now I'm going to ask this question mm. because we recently had someone come in my financial planning business mm. who um, was given a tip on a company called Pilbara Resources, mm. and they decided to put all their super <gasps> five hundred thousand into it, in, and they now have ten million dollars. Wow. <laughs> So they want to know whether they should stick with uh, lithium. Is lithium? <laughs> I would tell him to hard? take profit. Yeah, I, would, I would tell him that's to, exactly what 100%. I said. Um, look, uh, long-term thesis: lithium is great, yeah, right? Yeah. But for the short term, you've, they've seen, we've seen how much lithium price has gone up by this year. 
And and they're staggered. It's exactly. a big bet for them. It's a big bet. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of risk. Um, look, you know, for me, it's my portfolio. I always have a little bit of portfolio in those spicy things, mm. you know, high risk things where if they do really well, you'll get a bit of payoff. But yeah. it's not big part because it's so volatile and it's yeah. all based on China. <coughs> and at the moment, lithium price is going through a bit of rob wobble yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Um, China EV sales is down quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and as you know, China is reopening and everything. There will be star stops. So that will be more a bit more negative news coming through mm. and long-term thesis is fine but short-term I think it's run to their problem because they take profits big capital gains tax as well <laughs> oh okay well yeah. yeah it's still worth it because you know you never look at crypto yeah. um, you know it can, can be very volatile yeah. so yeah and uh, there are those people who say that there is a lot of lithium out there but it just hasn't been mined see that's the thing when you look at the commodities that's normally how the cycle works share price spike because there's demand and there's not enough of them mm. and they're selling all the miners throwing money at it um, and the lithium is a space where the price is multiple times of the um, the reserve right so mm. it's way too way too expensive at the moment okay so while, while I've got you here mm. uh, I get this question all the time I've made a lot of money out of Whitehaven. Mm -hmm. Do I take the profit? Yeah, I'll be taking profit. Yeah, oh, yeah I think it's uh, it's done very well. But the short term, you still think, oh, you know, how is that going to change given mm -hmm. there's still tension with the oil prices and coal. You can only get Russia, all these issues, right? Um, but my view is that, look, you, ultimately, these companies don't have a terminal value. It's going to be really tough. Mm -hmm. um, so your time is now, between now and next six months. So any time between now and next six months, um, you just never know when the sentiment might change. Yep. Yeah. What was the last company you added to your, your fund? Uh, and why? Uh, look, I think more recently what have been buying more um, Woolworth. Yeah. I think when we spoke about Woolworth, it was just on its knees, had an update, yeah, it was nice terrible. Nice low price them, Yeah, we, we, we actually went overweight. We were underweight, now mm. we went overweight. We're actually um, aggressively buying some. Uh, I think Christmas will be good for them. Yeah. This will be the first Christmas um, in three years so that mm. people will celebrate together. Yeah. Uh, people will go to restaurants and people will spend, like buy lobsters at home. <laughs> so big the, turkeys. Big, uh, exactly, people will do so. I think Christmas is going to be good. Companies still generate very good margin. Mm. Um, it's very defensive, especially heading to Christmas. You should have things like that in your portfolio. It's defensive, it's you know, it's staple and earnings still gonna be good. Okay. Mm. That's Jim Bailu with a Christmas gift by <laughs> Woolworths. <laughs> a few months, a few weeks ago we talked about how a good inflation number would eventually show up in the US and the market would like it. That's what happened. Yeah, that's certainly what happened a couple of weeks ago now. We had that enormous intraday rally mm. in, in the US and then it's been followed on the last couple of weeks. Mm. Um, I think it does increase the chances of a, a decent run up into Christmas, but mm. obviously you've got the inflation number for, for this month coming out in a couple of weeks time. So yep. you can't count your chickens too soon, but mm. I do think the chances of that worst case scenario playing out seem to be diminishing somewhat. Yeah, it seems to me if the December 13 number is a really, really good one, there'll be all, like I, I've described it as the mother of all Santa Claus rallies. <laughs> They'll love it, won't they? It's definitely possible. Um, it's definitely possible. And I think the markets are feeling a little bit more optimistic, but a lot of the institutional investors and professional investors still remain cautious. Yeah. And I think you still have to, because by no means are we out of the woods entirely. But I think the outlook is somewhat improved um, compared to what we were looking at a few months back. Yeah. It seems to me also that if the inflation number is not quite as good and the market sells off, to me it's a buying opportunity if you're a person who is prepared to wait a year for some really nice returns. Yeah, absolutely. On a long-term basis, 
after falls of this magnitude, particularly in the US, looking out one, three, five, ten years, normally the returns are quite good. Mm. So I think if you're a long-term patient investor and if you can wear the, the short-term volatility, yeah. I think the opportunities are there. The, the important question for a lot of people watching this um, is, well, tech has been slow really mm -hmm. to rebound. On some days, when good news came through, we've seen pretty substantial yeah. bounces, but it hasn't been sustained. And there is a, a narrative out there saying, oh, well, big tech you know, might not rebound for some time. Yeah. Where do, you, where do you sit in that story? Yeah, look, we, we probably think the tech space as a whole, it was very, very expensive. So mm. if you look at the ASX, the top quartile most expensive stocks at one point were trading on P's of about 60 times earnings. Mm. Um, they've, the top quartiles now dropped to about 35 times earnings, but it's still expensive relative to the long-term history. Mm. So I think the tech space overall, you can't just look at it as a whole. I think it's gonna be very fragmented. Um, you have to understand there are very high quality tech businesses that have been around for a long period of time and been through the cycles. They're growing revenues, growing earnings, but then you've got another whole cohort of tech businesses that in some cases don't even have any earnings. Mm. Or they might have, might have strong revenue, revenue growth, but have never delivered a profit. Mm. Cash flow still not expected to turn positive for mm. a couple of years. So and they're that, being hit by rising interest rates. They're being so. hit by rising interest rates. So I think that inferior quality tech space will probably lag um, and will take some time to recover. I do think the valuations that we became used to over the last three to five years are unlikely to be replicated, um, but I do think there is some value in some quality yeah. tech names. Well, some of these companies, even if they recover half all of their losses, that's it. Like our last thing was down like seventy percent. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a thirty percent rebound at last in, in a year's time or so. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's talk about some of the Aussie ones before we talk about some other unusual ones. I was asked about in our boom doom. Zoom show for Switzer Report subscribers. Um, and these are two that you've always liked. Mm -hmm. um, Ordinate, ADA. Yes. Um, it's done well as a tech yeah. company, hasn't it? You're still backing it? Yeah, absolutely. The narrative hasn't changed. If anything, it's improved. Mm. Um, they continue to win market share. The adoption rates relative to their nearest competitors are up from five times the adoption rate of the nearest competitor up to mm. 14 times. Uh, they're diversifying the business model away from relying purely on um, audio digital into mm. video digital space and that's expected to add to revenue substantially for the next eight years or mm. so up to 2030. They're also increasingly moving away from um, hardware sales to software sales as well. So they those two are two components that generate their earnings. and. The software sales has very high margins of about 90, 95%. Mm. The hardware sales still has very good margins of 70%, but over time, that product mix is, is favorably shifting for them. Mm. Um, so it's a very high quality business. They continue to have some issues with supply chains, but a lot of those issues are alleviating mm. over time. Um, but it's always a good problem to have when demand is significantly stronger than what you're able to meet the market at. Yeah, so obviously China's COVID problems isn't great for supply. I was just wondering, you know, because China has a whole lot of big events and yeah. ordinate supplies. I wonder if they're missing out on business in China. Well, it's definitely, definitely a case. Mm. Um, that hopefully is one area that can still recover for mm. them. Yeah. I've obviously seen the COVID bounce back in the developed and Western world and, mm. and 
we're seeing a lot more events um, and a lot more outdoor events. So the Chinese events are seriously big yeah, events. Yeah, so like look, that. that's that's a, that's a sleeper for them. But yeah. even without that recovery, they're still in a very good position, yep. and they continue to grow nicely. Okay, uh, MP1, Megaport. Uh, yep. yep, it's a bit more complicated at the moment. It's been it's pretty quite difficult to get a read on where Megaport's going because mm. from one quarter to the next, their numbers are jumping around a fair bit. We saw in, in the, the annual report, they came back a long way. There was a disappointment in new customer acquisitions. Um, that improved in the September quarter and then fell away again recently in the most recent update. So look, we still like the business from a long-term standpoint. Nothing's probably changed on that front, although we want to monitor the customer acquisition growth going forward because a lot of the analysts, and we're probably on the same side as that, have pushed out their free cash flow positivity from late FY23 to FY24, but they are looking to have their first year of positive EBITDA. So it's a business that has made the transition from a sort of startup yeah. tech name into a making the transition to a profitable business. Yeah, and it seems nice. to me, you know, it, it suffers because it's a tech company. Yes. And if tech companies are suffering in America, they'll suffer here. So yeah. one part of their, their lack of um, price rise is that. The other yes. part uh, is the actual story of the company the itself. Company. And that's why it's been pretty volatile, up to about 10 bucks down to six, mm. back up a bit now. Uh, but I think it's another good quality business with a lot of good quality clients. Mm. They've got you know strong pricing power. They offer a product that not many can compete with. Mm. Um, it allows businesses to basically come onto their network when they require a lot of data and then come off it when they don't need it. And they're mm. able to price or pay a price for when they need it, when they don't, no long-term contracts in that sense. What's your favorite stock right now for your clients? Right now, we've been buying things like IDP Education. Mm. Um, we think that's a, again, this isn't a very cheap company, but they're very much on the recovery path from COVID. Basically, IDP Education's got two parts of their business, it's got the student placements. So a lot of students coming from places like India, getting placed into Australian or UK or Canadian mm. universities. Um, then they've also got the English language testing which is um, another growth part of their business. But they've recovered significantly and they've now delivered student placement numbers and revenue numbers exceeding their pre-COVID levels mm. after a big dip due to mm. COVID. Uh, but that's a company we like a lot. Another one is Auckland International Airports. Um, we quite like that still as a recovery story on the COVID play, the capacity or the, the, the number of people flying out of, the, out of New Zealand has increased significantly, <coughs> more than expected, mm. more than forecast. Uh, and there's still a big recovery path to go. They're only still at 70% pre-COVID capacity. Yeah. I went to Auckland recently and was surprised how good the city was. And uh, I think a lot of Australians would be surprised. Yeah. You can do a lot in Auckland. That, that Waiheke Island as well, just off, is fantastic. Well, they've got a good diversified business model. And after all the acquisitions that have occurred on the ASX of high-quality infrastructure, this is one that mm. remains. They also own a big chunk of the Queenstown Airport. Mm as well. They okay. also own a lot of the land around their airports. It's a very popular airports. area. Yeah. Um, and they've obviously got a lot of retail um, that operates within these airports. So mm. we still like that as a more of a conservative quality infrastructure play and we expect dividends to eventually kick back in as well. Okay. So they were a reasonable dividend player? They were payment. previously around three, three and a half percent. That's obviously ceased the dividends during is COVID. That, is that US dollars or, uh, sorry, That's, New um, Zealand dollars or Aussie dollars? Well, it's a percentage. So I think it was um, New Zealand dollars, but okay. it was a percentage of the overall share price. Um, okay. 
We like that. And another final one for a smaller cap is XRF Scientific, which I think we've discussed previously. XRF Scientific. Scientific. That's Cheers, a highfalutin name, isn't it? It's a, it sounds it's sexy, I suppose. <laughs> um, it's involved in the mining space primarily. Mm. Um, it provides testing kits to miners who can test their core samples and get a bit of an idea of oh, yeah, you have to the quality. Mm. Um, but what's been good about XRF, they've sold a lot of their machines in recent years. Mm. Uh, but they also now sell the consumables, so the different types of chemicals required to conduct the tests. So once someone has the machine, they then have to keep replacing the chemical side of things to keep using it, yep. and that gives them a good recurring revenue stream. But that's a bit of a, a smaller business, but still, it's not a specky. It's quite mature and got a good balance sheet, pays a good dividend. Okay. Um, these two companies were asked uh, about at uh, last week's Boom Doom Zoom show mm -hmm. uh, on Thursdays for subscribers. Weebit Nano, didn't know much about yeah. but Did you know much about it? I've heard about Weebit Nano. It often gets bundled together with brain chip. Mm. Um, it's basically circuit boards and, and memory chips. Mm. Um, well, see, Altium was in that space once. Yeah, well, they're more the, the software used to design the uh, circuit boards. Mm. These guys are actually providing the still semiconductors. Okay. It's a competitive space. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the big players, like your Googles, your Microsofts, are involved in it. So mm. it does put them in a little bit disadvantage competing with those behemoths. Um, Weebit Nano doesn't have any revenue. It's never had any revenue. <laughs> <laughs> trades on about 11 times book value, which is actually cheaper than Brainship, which trades on about 20 times book yeah. value. So is it perceived as a potential takeover target? Oh, it? look, possibly. Like they yeah. must. They've met all the different hurdles that they need to meet in terms of the quality of their product. It's just mm. now about going out and marketing it. Mm. They do have a fair bit of cash on their balance sheet, probably from to get them through the next year and a half, two years. Mm. Um, but with these companies, it's difficult to get overly excited about them given the falls that we've seen elsewhere in the yeah. market because Weebit and Brainchip are very expensive uh, by anyone's measure. Um, but they've actually held up remarkably well considering the carnage that's unfolded in the broader tech space. Yeah. But I think it's one for the, the true believers, really. Okay, you have okay. to really have a, a long-term and, and confident view. Yeah, and, and, the, and I always find the problem with small companies that, you know, the, the market doesn't necessarily pick up on the, the really good news. They can ignore yeah. it, can't they? Well, yeah, these have got a big following, I think, in, in sort of retail land, maybe yeah. even the hot coppers of this world. There's a lot of discussion about some of these yeah. emerging tech names. And the story sounds great. Like, it's, like they're more efficient chips. You know, they're, they're easier to produce. They're more cost-effective for people to use. But, again, it's a highly competitive space. Yeah. And you're going to need a lot of cash to commercialise that in time. Okay, final one is United Malt Group. Yes, so... This was spun out from GrainCorp a few years ago. Yep. Um, they've benefited a lot from the, the boutique brewing industry, um, and there's oh, yeah, a lot sure. of demand for, for mm. barley globally. Um, and there's a lot more barley that's required in the production of boutique beers than your more mm. traditional drafts. And, and do so they use on. barley for gin? Because gin's really going yeah, through the Yeah, that's been going through the roof. I don't know how much barley is required relative to obviously. Yeah. You know, you're not a drink scientist, are you? No, I'm not. <laughs> Very much not. Um, but the problem with United Malt Group is they have a presence mainly in Canada, believe it or not, and also a little bit in Australia. There's been drought in Canada. Their production numbers mm. have been down 20 30%. I think down 20% on the five-year average. And because they've got all these long-term contracts that they need to meet supply on, 
if they're not producing enough from the properties they own, they've actually got to go into the barley market buy and buy it mm. to, to make up that shortfall. But on one hand, it is good to have those contracts locked in. Um, those contracts are flexible on price, so it works well when the barley price is going up, they're able to pass on those costs through, but also it works on the other direction as well. If the barley price is down, they take a bit of a hit there. Mm. Um, there's a lot of been very high freight costs, very high transport costs. They started to come down a little bit, but their earnings aren't expected to really recover to where they were for about another three or four years. Um, but look, typically we tend to steer clear of these cyclical commodity yeah. type um, agriculture businesses. Balls, so many curveballs, um, and it's really no pricing power. They have no control over yeah. Yeah. barley price, and there's a lot of competitors as well. It's a yeah. pretty ubiquitous product in, in the end. Yeah. I, I instantly think, think about a company that was a, a terrific company, Costa Group, but there's yeah. so many curveballs that company has faced internal and external. Yeah. It's just too hard. So they, it looks cheap, but that's because it's just so difficult to predict with any certainty the long term earnings profile. Michael, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks, Peter. That's Michael Wayne of Medallion Financial. Well, with US inflation heading in the right direction, uh, Paul Ricard has looked at three stocks he thinks look really well placed for 2023. Paul, um, is this inflation coming down the reason why you think these stocks will make a rebound in 2023? Yeah, I, th I think so, Peter, because they're all in the sort of growth category. And clearly what we've seen the last sort of six to nine months is the market's punished growth stocks uh, with interest rates going up. So I think to sort of go back to the situation where it's going to put value on growth stocks and go back. I'm not saying it's going to change its valuation multiples, but at least be prepared to get away from sort of more the defensive end of the market. It needs to have a view that that uh, inflation is peak and therefore interest rates, the next big move in interest rates um, is, is down. That doesn't mean it has to happen, the next interest rates have to come down, just the market's got to come to the view that it's, they're not yeah. going up any further. And you're a watch of the bond market. The bond market's basically saying they believe the, the worst of this interest rate rises is over. Yeah, the bond market, big rally in the US. I mean, we got to about 4.3% on the 10-year. We're now down to about 3.7%. So. That's a big movement in 10-year mm. bond yields. So the bond market certainly thinks that, uh, look, they're not going up as quickly as they are and maybe they've peaked. I still think the markets, you know, between now and December the 13th, I think it is, mm. when we've got the uh, November CPI for in the US, that's a really big number because that will be either confirmation yeah. or not. Yeah. And I think the market wants to see a couple of months because yeah, in the monthly statistics, you know, mm. there's a lot of volatility and that sort of stuff. So yeah. it wants to see confirmation that inflation is uh, is heading down and that will allow the market to take a view that the US Fed's going to, I'm not saying we won't be more increases, but it's at least we're coming towards the end of the interest rate increasing cycle. And, you know, six to nine to 12 months after that, interest rates will start to tend down. Mm. Okay, so let's go to your first one. Yeah, look, probably no surprises, Pete, CSL, you, you know I'm a huge uh, CSL yeah, fan. Too. It's really interesting because it's now back up to almost $300. And if you look at it this year, it's it's tried, 300, tried to break the $300 level about four times. Yep. Still hasn't done it. Mm. Uh, it's been a lot higher, obviously, at the early part of COVID. But for really, for a stock, it's actually up year to date, which is a bit surprising. It might surprise a number of people. But... It's not a stock that people yet want to power into, despite its sort of performance as being the leading healthcare stock. So, 
Every time it's got to $300, it's worked away from it, but I think we're going to see that breakthrough mm. at some stage through $300. Yeah, and the the new part of the business they've added from that, that Swiss, um, related to kidneys, isn't it? Yeah, the treatment of uh, chronic kidney disease and other uh, other renal things. Mm. So uh, it's it's now called CSL V4, it was V4 Pharma. Mm. Uh, that's going to be an important part to the, yeah. the CSL armory over the, the medium term. Not a huge <coughs> contribution to profit this year, about 300 million US dollars. But mm. look, the CSL had the same when it acquired Sequiris, which was the old, um, which was the influenza vaccines business. Uh, that took a few years to really turn work really well for CSL. So uh, this is a company they, they looked at for a decade. So they've obviously <coughs> wanted to buy it. Um, give them a give them a chance. This and yeah, again, this is in an area where lots of really good demographics in the sense of demand. Yeah. Uh, chronic yeah. kidney disease is actually hugely on the up, mm. uh, particularly so, with the drinking that's on the up. Yes, yeah, well. so uh, you know they've purchased for all the reasons that that should provide a lot of long-term tailwinds to support the business. Okay, let's go to your next one. Yeah, so uh, again, the next one is is Macquarie Group. Now, it's. Macquarie's really sort of come down a bit uh, in the last few months. And I guess this is a, is a function of the market being a little bit concerned about Macquarie's exposure to corporate markets mm. and, and corporate activity. And, uh, and, and when as interest rates go up, often we see that the business cycle slows down a bit and uh, investors get a bit nervous. And we've seen this, the slowdown in, the, in private equity and fewer mm. IPOs. And so Macquarie slows for that reason. It becomes harder to sell assets because there's just not as much interest. And then even on the commodities business, which uh, Macquarie's doing really well out of, uh, that's coming off a boom and maybe there's some uh, slowing activity uh, as, as prices come back a little bit. So I think the market still sort of said to with Macquarie, look, we're worried about, you know, might be a little bit tougher. Uh, globally, the next 12 to 24 months, and therefore some of its corporate activities will slow down. That's why the prices come back. But look, I think you put that to one side, you're back a winner. Mm. It's, it's in the top two or three Australian companies. Uh, it's 60% plus of its revenues now offshore. Uh, it has a mix of both what it calls market-facing and non-market-facing businesses. And a bit like CSL, Pete, the other reason I like Macquarie uh, is it has, it has a history of positive surprises. Like mm. it under promises, gets, goes cautious, gets conservative in its outlook statements, and then likes to over deliver the same way CSL does. Yeah. And yeah. has a history of surprising the market, inverted commas, when it, uh, it delivers. And, mm. and the market sold off. So I think there's, there's value yeah. in Macquarie uh, as, as a long term play. Yeah, I, I link Macquarie to the strength of the US stock market. And it's been down, so therefore Macquarie's down. But I think. When the US stock market roars back sometime this year, I think Macquarie will be a beneficiary. Let's go to your third one. Yeah, and the final is is Zero, which of course is the uh, cloud accounting software business. Uh, phenomenally successful in Australasia. Uh, that is a Kiwi company, I think they claim credit for. So, yeah. but its biggest market. Without us, they wouldn't have got there. But go on. With, with its biggest market is Australia, but uh, where Zero, of course, is being heading is uh, in. It wants to see its next leg for growth is in the US and the UK. Uh, and that's struggled a little bit. Not, not that it's not growing, but it's not growing at the rate the market wants it to grow at. Uh, Zero, of course, uh, you know, in a sort of a software as a service company, you know, has been subject to all the global derating of those sort of companies. So it's off about 50% in, uh, in 2022. Just like most other high growth tech companies are also down by that sort of magnitude. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and now, you know, although it's been phenomenally successful in Australasia, it now needs to demonstrate that it can do the same in the US and UK markets. Yeah. Uh, I'm a believer it will because uh, for a couple of reasons, we know their software is pretty good. Yeah. It's very sticky. People love it. Uh, we use it here. We use it. I use it at home. Uh, you know, it's got a really high customer rating. They've been able to increase revenue, average revenue per user. You know, surprisingly, you know, the, the, the market in terms of the provision of small business software in the UK and the US is actually sort of behind Australia. So yeah. despite yeah. some global giants in that marketplace, uh, there's big opportunities. So ma massively bigger market and also uh, a lot of opportunity for better software better cloud-based software. So I think it's going to get there, but you know, again, you've got to back it, uh, and you back, I think, something that, again, that's been pretty successful, and it's been able to show that it's, it's, been, it's demonstrated um, some great metrics on, yeah. in terms of the so-called uh, SaaS metrics. Yeah, it seems to me that, um, A, they try to make uh, big headway in the UK. Of course, they've got recession ch challenges over yep. there. And I also think it's a tech company, and as you, as you implied, tech companies have been beaten up, so there'll be a natural uplift when tech uh, companies are eventually forgiven and people buy it again. And Paul, you got another roughie, but you're going to keep yeah, that I'll, for the I'll keep the roughie of the Switzer report. So just yeah. go back to those uh, three, three, and the roughie reason I'm just hesitating, Peter, it is a micro cap, so yeah. got to be a little bit careful. But uh, yeah, you'll see that on the Switzer report. But look, I, the premise for all those three things is interest rates. Uh, I'm, I'm backing the market view that they've probably peaked. Mm. Uh, the next big move, and it might be 12, 24 months away, is down. Mm. Um, obviously, if we get to the situation, you know, where we don't get confirmation around inflation, uh, and look, Australia is going to follow here, the US yeah. anyhow. So, uh, and the market starts to think that this is, you know, the next big move is not up, it's not yeah. down. It's only going to be up. Though those companies, because they're all sort of in the growth category, yeah. uh, will do it a bit tougher. And I, I like the idea, Paul. All three of those conform to what Warren Buffett would say. You know, when the market wants to beat up on quality companies, it's a good time to buy them. That's Paul Rickard of the Switch Report. Go to switchreport.com.au. And that's the show for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, we're back on Thursday. If you want to know more about some interesting stocks that haven't been presented in this program, go to switzerreport.com.au. Thanks for joining me. See you on Thursday.